We're going to um, look at uh, the second uh, letter to Thessalonians today, in the passage that George read. Father, I just ask that your, your spirit would rest upon us as we hear and as we expound this word, that your life would come through these words, that revelation of Jesus would come to our hearts, that you would meet us, that you would challenge us, that you would encounter us, that you would redeem us and sanctify us. In Christ's name, amen. So the second letter to the Thessalonians, obviously written by Paul, and he had planted the Thessalonian church on his second missionary journey as he was traveling with Silas the prophet. And he began in Thessalonica by preaching in the local synagogue for three weeks and then subsequently ministering among the Gentiles for a couple more. So he was only there for a very short period of time when severe persecution broke out. And it's interesting that today we're, we're reading this gospel passage of what to do in the place of persecution and knowing that we should expect persecution. That is a normal reaction from the world to the message of Christ. It was so severe in Thessalonica that Paul and Silas actually had to flee in the middle of the night. And, but the Jews that were persecuting them weren't satisfied with that. They turned against Jason, <clears throat> Paul's host, and began to uh, persecute him. Even some of them broke off and followed Paul and Silas to Berea, the, their next stop on their journey, 73 kilometers away. These were men that were seriously after Paul and Silas. There was uh, the message of Christ was being um, rebuked and rejected in an intense way. It, it became, Thessalonica became an incredibly hostile environment full of the pressure of persecution. And the little church there, the, the brand new church, didn't have the luxury of discipleship from Paul. He had only been there for a few weeks. They didn't have the, the long time of questioning and walking with him and, and uh, listening to message after message, they, they had this short, intense moment, and that's all they had. And so, as Paul is in Corinth, he writes two letters, and they're only written, scholars say, only weeks apart, and these are the letters that he sent to strengthen them. Now, I think if anybody could relate to the idea of living missionally in a hostile environment full of rejection, it was Paul. He absolutely understood what it meant to live with the pressure of persecution. And we could recount all of the different trials and tribulations, the times that he was stoned and left for dead, beaten, uh, lashed, thrown in prison, he lists them all, and he counts himself worthy to suffer, or, or unworthy to suffer for the name of Christ. He counts it an honor to be able to suffer for the name of Christ. But he, he really understood what it meant to live with the pressure of persecution, knowing that you will face rejection, and that rejection could turn violent. 
knowing that you are not safe apart from God's protection. And yet, you are called in that place to still remain open-hearted, generous, and outward-looking rather than self-protecting. You see, Paul was following Christ's example. It was Jesus who came to essentially a hostile earth. The Romans says that we were, we were God's enemies before we were redeemed. While we were still his enemies, he came to us. It was a world full of God's enemies. And most rejected him. Not all, but most rejected him and some violently. So Paul gives the Thessalonians some important guidance. He calls them to follow his example. We see this in um, in 2 Thessalonians 3.15. So then, brothers, and this also, this term brothers in this context also includes sisters. So I'm just going to read that in so that we understand that that was a part of it. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. He's inviting the Thessalonians to remember those treasured moments that he and Silas were with them, to cling to that example of what they heard and what they learned from him and the letter that he had previously sent them in the first Thessalonian letters. He then, he then as well talks in, in uh, chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. I'll just read that part that uh, George had previously read. He emphasizes this a second time, and he says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from a brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. He's emphasizing his example. And then he goes on to illustrate that. And he says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you. And then verse 9, It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. He's calling them to remember his, his example and to, and to imitate what it means to live generously, even in a hostile environment. Secondly, Paul emphasizes the family of God. And in, in 1 Thessalonians 1.4, he says, for we know brothers and sisters loved by God. He's emphasizing this familiar, familial idea. 1 Thessalonians 2.7 But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but, our own, for, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And then 1 Thessalonians 2.11, For you know how like a father with his children, we encouraged you and we shared, shared you, I typo here, <laughs> and shared with you how to walk in a manner 
worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and glory. So the Thessalonians lived in this world full of hostility to their faith, but Paul called them to care for one another, to hold fast to one another, rather than to scatter and protect themselves and to isolate. He called them to flood each other's lives with love and kindness, countering and washing away the rejection that they were receiving from the world. Now, we don't live in, with the same level of overt persecution that either Paul or the Thessalonian church did, but we still face the rejection of our faith. And we've become accustomed to it, to the point that probably we don't even cognitively think about it all the time. But we live in that way, and we can live in a defensive way. And Paul and Jesus are actually calling us to not live defensively, to live open-heartedly and generously and even vulnerably. At times that we, it, it means that we suffer being rejected personally because of our faith. But Paul is an example to us, and even more so Christ who, as I said, while we were yet his enemies, he loved us. So I want to invite us to remember these things and to, to follow Jesus' example, to live intentionally with open hearts, even when there is a high probability of rejection. Jesus didn't just come to a hostile world, but he came in the most vulnerable form you can imagine. He came as a newborn baby. He came as a man who is not, not wealthy or uh, in a powerful political family. Everything about him spoke of vulnerability. And he lived in a place of openness. So let's follow Christ's example to live intentionally. To check our heart when we feel ourselves withdrawing or putting up walls or holding back because of the fear of rejection. And let's also make sure that within the family of God, we care for one another, and we watch out for one another, and we, um, we minister to one another with that same love that Christ ministered to us with, that love that is inclusive, that is welcoming, that is celebrating each other, that there would be a place of safety and healing for all who come, not just those who come that, that know Christ, our brothers and sisters, but those that find Christ. And so I'm just going to close with Paul's final exhortation and the, and the uh, remember this. chapter 3, verse 13. His final exhortations and blessings to the Thessalonians are really God's word to us today. He says in, in verse 13, As for you, brothers and sisters, 
Do not grow weary in doing good. And then he says in, in chapter 3, verse 5, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And I feel as though that's really what God is saying to us this morning. May he direct our hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. I'm just going to pray this, collect that we pray for mission um, as a way to close because this really encapsulates, I think, what I'm trying to say. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross so that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen.